good morning, everybody. Welcome to LMCC. Some of you all I have gotten to spend a lot of time with this weekend. Yay. Um, we had the women's retreat. And you know what's funny is sometimes you think about a physical exhaustion, right, from, from doing things. But I think we might have some spiritual exhaustion in the best way. And I say that in the best way, um, that it was a, it was a time of... of um, of really letting God get after us. And sometimes that's really tiring. So thank you to all the women who were there and that dug in with each other. It was really fun. We had a really good time. Yeah, so we're, and we're uh, gonna close that out here this morning. Um, Man, yours is coming, as Phil said, and we want you to come and dig in as well. There's nothing better than spending time with the people in this church, I'm telling you, if you get the chance to do that. Okay, you just witnessed the child dedication, right? And so that's something that we do as parents to say we're dedicating and we're going to turn that over. But on November 12th, we're going to have the opportunity to have baptism. And so that will, yes, yay, that's a big deal, right? And we're going to have baptisms on November 12th. That will be the time when you get to sort of make that decision, right, Um, very deliberately. And so as I start to stalk you for that, because I already have some of you in mind, right? If you are interested in the baptisms, let us know. It's a pretty, um, it's a pretty special time here. And, and listen, it's a, it's a biblical part of our spiritual walk to be immersed and to be baptized. Um, it's been really an important step in your intimacy with God. And so if you haven't done that, we want to encourage you. If you have already done it, but you feel like there needs to be a rededication, we're all about that. God will take you as many times as he can get you. So if you, if you feel like you need to be rededicated or you want to make a public declaration again, Whatever your circumstances are, please reach out to me, and we're going to do that baptism on the 12th. We're excited about that. We are in a series, right? We've kind of been on this long trajectory. We started with the Who Am I Jesus series, Who is Jesus? And then we talked about who we are with Jesus, and we looked at Jesus' teachings, and then through the summer, we went through discipleship study, and now we're really in the phase of call to action, right? And everybody's like, no, no, no. No, just keep, keep studying, keep teaching, right? Nope, now it's time to do some work. So we've got a call to action going on. We've been looking in the smaller books of the Bible. Phil preached the last two weeks out of First Peter, and I sent out reading plans for that, so I hope you were able to get that. I love it when you all are able to read these books with us because they're not as long, and you're really able to absorb it yourself. Um, and then today, we're going we're gonna to go into Second Peter, and you got my reading plan for that this week as well, so I hope you've had a chance to look at that. We're in this series now about glorifying God. What does that mean? That's a great phrase, right? Glorifying God. And we think, I want to do that. No idea what that means. How, how do I glorify God? Well, listen, the interesting part is, is it's what you were created to do. It is not as confusing as we think it is. You were actually created to glorify God. And so it, it's this idea of if we're not living in a space where we're glorifying God, we're going to feel unsettled. We're going to feel unbalanced. We're going to feel off kilter. And so I want you to think about those places this morning as we're talking where maybe things feel incongruent, right? Things feel like this is who I am and who I was created to be by God, but here's what my reality looks like. And there's an incongruency to that. And the reason there's an incongruency to that is our thought process about 
everything that we do and everything that we're involved in and every thought and every interaction being pointed to God. Now, that's harder to do than it sounds, right? That's not just flip a switch. That's a super intentional activity. But let's talk a little bit about what that means this morning. I looked up the word glorify. It means to add weighty importance to something, right? So I want you to think about what you've put weighty importance against in your life, because every one of you has something, and some of you have several things, right, that has a weighty importance. It's not negotiable. It's at the center of everything. It's something you think about a lot. It's right there. And what it means to glorify God is to put him in the most high place of weighty importance. And guess what? There's huge benefit to you when you do that, right? The payoff back to you will be more than you can possibly imagine. We sort of have to think about this idea of manifesting his spiritual presence. I don't know about you guys, but in the women's retreat yesterday, one of the reasons I was so tired last night is the Holy Spirit was heavy for like 14 hours yesterday. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, right? There's some places where you see theologians say, God, I've gotten so much of you. I'm exhausted, right? I need to take a little break because I feel like your love and your spirit is overwhelming me. It, when the spirit really is showing up and he's really heavy, it can almost be overwhelming. I want to look at 2 Peter um, 1. We're just going to go right into the first chapter. And I want to read this portion of the verse to you. 2 Peter was written by Peter as his second letter to the same people that he wrote the first letter to. He was in prison, about to be executed. Um, so he was writing this letter with a real sense of urgency. And so he, he is writing this second letter to say, these are probably my last words to you. And think about that. If you were a disciple of Jesus, and you had one last time to say something, what would it be, right? So we've got to really put that weightiness to Peter's words, that this is the last time that he was going to do that. So Shay, will you put up 1 Peter 3 through 5 for me? This is, this is what he writes there in the beginning of this letter. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of the glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. That's the part I want you to hone in on right there. Make every effort to respond. It's a two-way conduit. God has promised you, but without your response, it's just words on a page. It's just an idea. It's just a concept. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. So we'll talk about what he means by that here in just a second. Right? We're gonna, we need to think about how we glorify God. And we're going to talk about three ways this morning. We're going to talk about glorifying God in our study. We have to be wise about those promises. You have to know what they are in order to respond to them, right? If somebody calls you on the phone and says, hey, I need your response, you go, to what, right? God's saying, to this. Pick it up and read it. It's actually a good book, right? This book, I need your response to it. Actually, I had somebody tell me in a Bible study this week that they were reading Abraham and they said, you know what? That's such an exciting story. I've never realized how exciting the story is before. This is an exciting book. We have to study it, right? We can't respond to something we don't know. If we haven't read it, we can't respond. Church on Sunday is not enough, right? Your devotional in the morning is not enough. You need to read this. It's God's love letter to you. The second place we need to look at is how we glorify God in our daily lives, in our lives and in the souls of the people around us. 
As I'm praying for someone, am I praying for their temporary circumstance or am I praying for their eternal salvation? Am I contending for their soul? That's what glorifies God, is the contention for their soul. Believe it or not, God's much less worried about your temporary circumstance than he is about your eternal salvation, right? And then the third way is to glorify God in our desires. You know, the word desire, broken down, is of the Father. So if your desire is disconnected from the person who created you, there will be a gap. There will be an incongruence. You will be unsettled. That's just the natural way that it works, right? So let's think about this idea of glorifying God in study. We can't respond to what we don't know, right? We can't understand that. And so in 1 Peter 12, he says to us that, that, that glorifying is weighty, right? So they're going to put that scripture up for us. 1 Peter 12 through 15 says, Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. Peter is saying, let me tell you again. How many of you all have realized how much redundancy there is in the Bible? There's a reason. We are thick-headed and we are distracted by all these other things, right? There's so many other things to occupy space. God knew that, and that's why he had so many of his prophets and so many of his disciples repeat words to you, right? I will remind you, even though you already know them and you are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. He was telling, he was speaking to the Christians. Paul was right, or Peter was writing to the Christians. Not, he wasn't attempting to, to get unbelievers with these books. He was talking to the Christians, and he was saying, you're already standing firm in the truth that I know that, but oh, by the way, you need to be reminded. And it is only right that I should keep reminding you as long as I live. He was urgent about that. He was sitting in prison. The Roman government was going to kill him. He knew that. And he said, I will keep reminding you as long as I live. For as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earth, so I will work hard to make sure that you always remember these things after I'm gone. And then we get the benefit of it got written down and we can pick it up anytime we want. We can study this book anytime we want and we can hear the voice of the prophets. We can hear the voice of Jesus. We can hear the voice of the disciples. I don't know about you guys, but that's better than any TED Talk or podcast I'm going to look up, right? That, and I'm not, I, I'm not saying anything bad about TED Talks and podcasts. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, man, this is the stuff right here. We got to get in here. We got to find our excitement and our hunger in there. We need to be reminded. Glorifying God is weighty. We need that, that spiritual heaviness, sort of like a weighted blanket, right? We need to kind of have that heaviness over us of, I am living underneath the weighted blanket. I have what I need. I'm already equipped, but I've got to continue to remind myself. You have to study the Bible. It can't be the book on the shelf. It won't do you any good there, and it won't do the people around you any good there. You have to get it off that shelf. You know, we, we, Solomon understood kind of how important this was. And, and in 1 Kings, we see him. Um, he's about to be, you know, he's, he's going to be the king. And God asks him this question, right? And we're going to put it up. It's 1 Kings 3, 5 through 14. And that night, God appeared, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Now, how many of you all want to be sitting on the receiving end of that question from the creator? Ask for what you want, and I'll give it to you, right? And, I'm, and I think to myself, what would I say? Think for a second about what you would say, right? And, and the reason he's going to do that is because you have been honest and true and
read that, that lot of part. I, I apologize. It said, you showed great and faithful love to your servant and my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful. Okay, sorry. Now we can, we can move ahead. And then this is what Solomon replies. Listen, this is important. He says, you have showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he was honest and faithful. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to me, to him today by giving him this son, right? Solomon was the son to sit on the throne. And he says, now, Lord, you have made me your king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Oh, by the way, what we just did a minute ago, right? There's responsibility to those children that don't know their way around yet, right? And he says, I'm here in the, in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous you cannot be counted. Here's what Solomon asked for. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Right? And then he goes on to say, and then the Lord says back to him, the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. God said, you can have what, what do you want? There was no caveat to that question. What do you want? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. Because nothing else that I could possibly ask for will matter if I don't have that. It's all going to be empty. I can ask for all the other things, riches and wealth and health and peace and all these other things. And if I ask for them without your wisdom, if I don't predicate them on that wisdom, none of that will matter and it will all be fleeting and it will all be temporary. And so God says to him, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had. And I will also give you what you did not ask for. Because God can bless you when you stand on his promises and you know what they are. And if you can't stand on the promise, he isn't withholding blessing. He can't give it to you because you're not paying any attention. Right? You are so distracted by the other thing instead of staying in the place of glorifying God and the wisdom that he can't bless you in that place. We like to drift, right? That's what we like to do. Solomon knew that the world would pull at him. Peter knew that the world was pulling at his, at his churches and at the people, the Christians. He knew that. There, we talk so much about the chaos of today. It was no different right? Peter wrote these books in about 60 AD. There's a whole lot of similarity between 60 AD and 2023. And we think we're living in this tumultuous time and what can nobody can possibly understand. And I think if the biblical writers could come back to us, they'd be like, um, let me talk to you about some chaos, right? None of us are sitting in prison about to be executed, feeling so urgently to get to the people around us that we have to write letters and make sure that they get delivered from a prison cell. Think about where our urgency is, right? What are we studying? What are we spending time on? This, this glorifying God and this study also will then translate into kind of the second idea, which is your daily living. It is so easy to sit in here under this fantastic worship and under the study of the Bible together, and we got it all together, and we walk out, and the world hits us, and somebody else's voice comes in. And some other interaction comes in. And some other distraction comes in. And then daily life takes us down. We don't know the promises. And we can't stand on them. And we can't continue to repeat them to ourselves day in and day out. Continue to repeat them to the people around us. The world will take over. It's simply too big for you to fight on your own. You can't do it. And so in your daily life, in order to be able to glorify God. And to be able to live in this place where you get to reap the benefit of his promise. You have to keep it forefront. You have to make it weighty. It has to be intentional, right? How many of you all have a practice of something that's not negotiable? I will drink a green smoothie in the morning. 
It's not negotiable. I will go to the gym. I will, I will go to work, right? How many of us get up in the morning and say, I will show up at where I'm expected to be and I will go to work, right? Because we need that paycheck. Listen to me. You need the spiritual blessing of God way more than you need that paycheck and it needs to be non-negotiable above all those other things. And I'm not telling you not to go to work. Don't call me today and say you quit your job. Marcy, you told me to just glorify God. I quit my job. No, nope, that's not what I said. I have it on tape now. That's not what I said. What I did say was, Let's predicate everything we're going to do in our daily life from the minute we put our feet on the floor in the morning until we get to the end of that day and we get back in that bed. Let's predicate it on glorifying God. How do I make sure he's at the center? How do I make sure I'm focused on him, that I'm showing him to others, that I'm speaking about him to others, that other people can see him through me, that other people can say, I don't know what's going on with you, but I want some of that. And so I'm going to start to move in a little closer to you so I can see where you're getting that power and that equipping and that energy, right? It's important. Peter is telling us to live in the protection of those promises. There's protection in there. There's wisdom in there. He's telling us that that will be the way that God's allowed to give blessing to us. That's where he can bestow the blessing. He can't bless what doesn't belong to him. If you don't declare that you belong to him every day and that your main purpose in life is to glorify him because he's your creator, it's hard for him to bless something that doesn't belong to him, right? But when we open capacity... And if you're wondering if it belongs to him, as you're thinking about your daily life and you're going through your actions and your interactions, and you're thinking, does it belong to God? Is it meant to glorify him? Is that anywhere in your mind? How is God gonna be glorified through this? How will someone else see God through this? What will that look like, right? All our actions. We are reaping the benefit of all of the writers of this Bible, right? Showing us what happens when we live under the promise of God. Also very clearly showing us what happens when you don't. We get to see both things in here. If you're curious what happens when you move out from under the glorification of God, just look right here. It'll tell you. It's pretty interesting, right? And the people who reaped those benefits and blessing or the people who fell short are right here in living color for you to read about, right? It's not necessarily, listen, the thing you're doing in your daily life might not necessarily be bad. Do I think y'all are getting up every day and going out and killing somebody? No. Do I think you're getting up every day and twisting your mustache and thinking, man, who can I hurt today? No, we're not doing that, right? If you are doing that, come tell me. But if you're not doing that, right, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but we have to look at the busyness of our life. And is it just a overwhelming and keeping us busy or is it glorifying God? There's a difference. And we need to look at that every day, right? Peter knew how hard it would be. That's what he talks to us about. He knew how empty things were going to be and how our souls depended on this direct connection to God and working in the, in the world that he had created and working as his creation. He understood that congruency that had to occur in order for you to be able to receive the blessing. He knew your soul would flourish if you were connected to glorifying God, or he knew your soul would suffer if not. And he felt an urgency to let you know that. The last and third place there is to glorify God in your desires and dreams. We talked a lot about this at the retreat. We talked with the women about how do I dream with God? How do I turn over those dreams to him? How do I turn over those desires to him? Is the desire for you or is the desire for God? It matters. Now listen, God wants you to have the things that you desire. He just, he's not withholding from you. But if they're disconnected from what he desires, they'll be empty. And you'll be right back desiring something else quicker than you can possibly think because that desire will be empty. It won't fill it, right? These letters that Peter wrote to us are really this reality check for the present and their hope for the future. 
He's really saying, here's the reality check of now, but here's the hope for the future. Here's what you need to do. He's giving you sort of this pathway and this call to action, right? His, his, his ideas that God cares about the temporary, and he'll get in that with you, but only in so much as it spreads out to the eternal, right? That's where God's real interest is. What does he need to do in the temporary to then inform the eternal with you? And we often just get stuck in the temporary, and it takes us down, right? And we don't think about what the long term of that might be. Um, so we've got to think about this following Jesus and our dreams and our desires. The decisions matter, right? The decisions in the Bible matter of what people desired and what they, what they were seeking after. It's okay to dream with God. It's okay to tell him the things that you're seeking. The great part about that is, is then he gets to add that supernatural, spiritual element to it. He gets to equip that dream in a way that then informs his kingdom in a way that we can't do by ourselves because you're not equipped to do that by yourself. He gets to then come into that dream. So I'm encouraging you to turn those dreams and desires over to him, right? There's a couple ways I think about this, and we talked about this a lot as I was... um, in seminary, they used to talk about these two words, but it made sense to me as I was reading through Peter, right? There's this indicative, which is what God does for us, right? You sort of have this indicative. And then you have the imperative is what you are called to do as a disciple. The two things must be connected. They must be connected. What does God do for you? That's the promise. It's already there. You just got to go get it. The imperative is what you are called to do as his disciple. In your dreams and desires, are you putting those things together? Are you saying, this is what God has given me. This is what I have. And this is what I'm going to do with it. This is what his intent was and why he gave that to me. It's then to spread his kingdom. It's to spread that out. Those are tightly tethered. We have to know that, right? We have to know those promises that he's given us. And then we have to respond That's the word I want you to take out of today. You have to respond. There's a response required in that, right? In our dreaming phase, we often focus on the lack and we completely ignore the abundance. We have to respond to both. God cares about both. He cares about both things, but the only way that you'll be able to glorify God in the lack is when you glorify him in the abundance. And you have to be able to see both. And every one of you is living in some level of both, and I understand that. That's the human condition. But the way that the lack becomes bearable and given to God and that we're able to stand in that place is when we understand the abundance that is connected and tethered to it. They're two, they're two sides of the same coin, right? We, don't, we just focus on the present, and we don't see the eternal plan God might have. There's so much more than this week. There's so much more than this month, right? There's so much more than all of that. What we just did this morning, dedicating these children, is generational. It's going to go on and on. People are going to reap the benefits of us pouring God into those kids, and then pouring God into their kids, and then pouring God into their kids. And that's why we have this. Because we're, people stayed in the fight and they continued to pour God, right? Over and over and over. And that's how you glorify him is you continue to bring his creation to him. You continue to bring his creation back to him. So how do I glorify God in my dreams, right? How do I let my heart be transformed? In 2 Peter 5, he tells us, um, he talks about this idea of transformation, right? Of how do I do that? Did I put that on there? No. Okay, so let me read that to you real quick. Second Peter 5.11. Um, sorry, because now I've got to find it. Um, he talks about this idea of how do we transform our hearts, right? How do we live in that space? And so what he says to us is, let me get my, my glasses on. 
because I thought I had given the scripture to them. Um, got it again. Yeah, I'd say in, it's in 5 through 11. Sorry, just going back. It's 2 Peter 1, back to 5 to 11. We're going back, right? It says, we're just going back to the same place. It's the same ones. It says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. But I want to read this last part to you because I didn't read it in the first part. It says, you'll respond with knowledge, which then gives you self-control. Self-control will give some patient endurance. Patient endurance will give godliness. And godliness will give brotherly affection. You see the track there? If we do that in our study, if we do that in our daily lives, if we do that in our dreaming, if we think about this idea, right? Just think about that track for a second. Knowledge and the study gives us self-control in this daily life. That self-control gives us patient endurance. This is a marathon, not a sprint. We gotta run the race, right? For whatever part of it is ours. And then that self-endurance will give um, will bring godliness, and then that godliness brings brotherly affection. That's the loop. That's the, the loop right there for how God wants us to glorify him, how he wants us to disciple those around us, how he wants us to be in that space with him. We have to think through that transformation. We're in a season of work. There's work to be done. Glorifying God is much more than church service, right? It's much more than a single praise. It's a lifestyle, Peter knew this. He knew that if we lived it as a lifestyle, if we thought about it in everything we did and everywhere we went and we started to absorb it into everything, that God could then begin to bless his creation in the way that he always intended. A lot of times we'll sit and think, God's not blessing me. He's forgotten about me. He has not. You have not made any capacity or any space and you are not paying attention to how he wants to bless you. You have to be in a space of glorifying him and understanding how he wants to do that for you. It's very important, right? As we close here, let's think about this idea. I enchu- I, I'm gonna encourage you. You know, we're gonna continue to look at action steps over the next few weeks. We're gonna continue to push into this call to action phase as a church and individually. I'm gonna encourage you to choose an area. I don't care what it is, but start movement. If it's study, get in there and study. If you need help, let us know. Get in that Bible, right? If you need more help with something specific in your daily life, get in that Bible and find where God talks about it because it's covered in there, I promise you. If you need help with that, let us know. How do I glorify God? Find an area of your life where God might be missing or a shadow in that area and let's shine the light. Start movement somewhere. Tomorrow morning when you put your feet on the ground, what's the area where I'm gonna start movement? Where am I gonna go? And when I go to bed, at night, I'm going to say to myself, where was God glorified in what I did today? Was it in my conversations with my spouse? Was he glorified there? If you're not trying to glorify God in your conversation with your spouse, you are missing out. Was he glorified in your conversations with your kids? I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with my daughter and then I walk off from it and think, man, God got no part in that. He got no piece of that because I was worried about the temporary, right? What do I need to get done? What's going on right here? When really what I ought to be worried about is the implication to her when I don't bring God into every conversation. What are we doing to glorify him through our parenting, with our friends? When I go sit with my friends, do I care about their soul? Do I care about who God made them to be? Do I care about them figuring that out? Do I care about shepherding that? You have responsibility to that, right? 
when I go to my workplace and I sit down next to the coworker that I really would rather suffocate. But I wonder why God set me down next to this person and my interactions with them. And then I think, did I glorify God in any of that? What part of my interaction, what part of my day did God get? He wants it all, but he'll take whatever you can give him. He understands that we're flawed, that we don't have all that capacity. But what part did I give him? Where did I glorify God? How am I responding to those promises? Outside of just asking for the temporary. And listen, there's nothing wrong with asking for the temporary. You are supposed to petition God. I'm not telling you not to do that. But I'm saying when we stay in the temporary, we miss all of the internal, the eternal blessing that God has for us. And we operate short-sighted and we operate at a deficit. It's like having the whole playing field in front of you, but you only operate in this very small space, right? And you won't move out of that. So what's my imperative? How am I glorifying God in the world around me, right? We're going to go into 1 John next week. Alicia Lee's going to bring that message. We're going to talk about this some more. We're going to keep going. I'll send out that reading plan today or tomorrow, actually, when I get off the... I'm going to fly today, so I'll send it out tomorrow. Next Sunday, we'll have more call to action, right? I need you to start thinking about what your part of that is because it will be different for every one of us. But collectively, it's really important that we all dig in on our part of it. You have a responsibility to the kingdom of God. That's what he created you to do. And if you're feeling incongruence in your everyday life, the reason is is because you're living outside of what God created you to do. Bring yourself back center. Get in this book. And let's think about it. Let's work it out, right? Let's figure out what he created us to do one step at a time. One step at a time. That's all we got to do. I'm not asking you to figure out the whole eternal picture. That's not your job. I'm asking you to figure out Monday. I'm asking you to have conversation today with somebody that glorifies God and makes them feel loved and seen and known. That God gets glory in that conversation. That they get to see a little sliver of the God that you serve. I'm asking you to be intentional about that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time this morning. So grateful that we get to read your Bible. What a benefit to us. We can just pick it up any time and we can hear your voice and we can receive your wisdom. We can see how you, how you shepherded people through their daily lives. The people in this Bible were living lives just like we are, albeit we're much more comfortable in a lot of places. And so, Lord, I just ask that we would get some perspective on why you teach us these things. Why do we need to study them and how do we put those into our daily lives? How do we work those And Lord, as we dream and we bring those desires to you, that you would add your eternal kingdom work to them, that you would attach those and that we would be willing to see that attachment and to walk into that bigger picture, bigger than we could possibly imagine. We're so grateful for these people. I ask for blessing on every one of their houses. I ask for their families to be blessed. I ask for their spouses to feel more love than they ever have this week. I ask for their children to feel God in a way they never have this week. I ask for the people at work to sit back a little bit in their chair and think, what's that person so joyful about? What do they have that I don't have? I ask that you would show in a way that we we can't even shroud that the light that comes from each of these people would be so bright that people would be drawn to it and that they would ask the questions and that we would be equipped to have the conversation about the powerful and wonderful God we serve. We ask all this in your son's name. Amen.